my message is your business should serve your life, not the other way around. You don't want your business ruling everything and then all of life is constructed to support and build up this business. The business is there to support your life so that you're doing something that's fun and life-giving and impactful. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief. It's a lifestyle. Come on, let's get it. Imagine working only two days a week and still making enough money to support your family and all the passions God's put on your heart. For my guest, Shay Cochran, that's her reality. She's built a multi-million dollar business called Social Squares that's used by powerhouse brands and thousands of others, including Faith and Gather, while only working 16 hours a week. But if you think this episode is about making money in as little time as possible, it's not. While that surely is impressive, I find it more impressive how Shay and her husband Graham have let God lead the way in each of their businesses and how they've been incredibly intentional about the life God has given them. So listen in as Shay and I chat about how she and her family have built an intentional life, how their businesses support that and not the other way around, the 80-20 rule they use in business and life, and how she uses her platform to share her faith and the love of of Jesus. Hey, Shay, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast. Hi, Erica. I'm so excited to be here. This is so much fun for me. Seriously, it's just, this is going to be a blast for me because you and your business, Social Squares, have been a part of my business from the very, very beginning. I honestly used your images like 90, I want to say 90% of the time, but it was like literally 99% of the time on Instagram <laughs> when I started because I just didn't know what to do and your photos were so beautiful and I got so many compliments on them and I've now transitioned to using them you know in my course and my workbooks my website you know all of that and so I'm just so thankful that you've been with me as I've been just on this entrepreneurship journey and really have made it easy for me an area of the business easy for me as I've been navigating everything else Oh my gosh, that is so encouraging. I mean, that's literally why I show up at my desk is so that people like you can get their ideas and businesses out into the world. And my small part of it's just the photography, but it allows you the chance to share your message. So that just makes my day. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And it just takes away stress too. I mean, oh my goodness, the hours that you spend looking for that perfect image that just, you know, portrays everything that you want and you have loads of them in social squares. So really appreciate that. Well, thank you. So I know Shay as the CEO of Social Squares. That's how I know you. And I've gotten to know you a little bit more during those virtual kind of happy hours and via Instagram. But what do you want the listeners to really understand about who Shay is personally? And then you can also share a little bit about Social Squares as well. Yeah, well, I'm just here figuring things out one day at a time, just like everybody else. 
I was raised in a Christian home, so I had the benefit of being raised in a way that established scripture as like the source of life and a relationship with God as the source of life. So that's always been a big factor for me. I got married right out of college. I've been married now for almost 18 years. So for a while. And I have two daughters. I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. I'm an entrepreneur, as you mentioned. I've been an entrepreneur really since college, actually since the playground. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a small child. (laughs) Right out of college, I started a business in commercial and portrait photography. And then when I started to have kids a few years later, I really wanted to own my time in a different way. I mean, you know, having a baby is exhausting. So then to do that and then go photograph weddings on nights and weekends, it didn't work for that season of life anymore. And it really didn't. I I didn't ever feel very confident in what I was doing. Like it was coming from a place of authentic creativity. I think I was good at it and I think I delivered a beautiful product to my customers, but it never felt like I was in my sweet spot. And so I think what was really beautiful about my story professionally is that I was in wedding and portrait photography successfully for let's say eight or so years. And then I took a crazy pivot into something I had never really done before, which is commercial and product photography, because I kind of felt like I could do it. I just thought, I love working with my hands, and I know how to beautify things, and I know how to create a technically really beautiful image, so why not just try product photography? And that would help me to kind of own my time a little bit differently since I was a mom of really young kids. So that was kind of a crazy transition, and we can talk more about how that kind of took off. But the moral of that story is entrepreneur on a journey. My husband is also an entrepreneur. He helps other people understand how they can make a living based on what they know. He's an author, a speaker, and a multi-business owner. So we have a very entrepreneurial household, and we're just trying to figure out how to do all of this, marriage, parenting, work. I think one thing that's unique about us is we both work very few hours. So he's built multiple six and seven figure businesses working like four. (laughs) One of his businesses only has worked four hours a week. He's really taken that like four hour work week (laughs) concept to heart. And I have always built my business working only 16 hours a week, two days a week. And the origin of that was that that was all the childcare I could afford. So that's a little unique about our story. I think we've both really majored in, hey, we don't want to just have a successful business. We want to have a really holistically thriving life. So we want to be able to be a part of community. We want to have a healthy marriage. We want to be a connected family that gets a lot of family time. We want to be physically healthy, spiritually healthy, mentally healthy. We just want it all. (laughs) And we want our businesses to be profitable and we want to be able to be wildly generous Uh, So we've kind of spent the last, the better half of our marriage trying to figure out how to do that and what that looks like. So let's talk about that because I'm really interested about how you can be intentional and really set your schedule and make it happen because I am in the thick of entrepreneurship and I do work 40 hours a week, sometimes more than that because I really enjoy it, but at the same time it can run me a little dry. So I want to chat about how you've been able to be intentional and kind of, like you said, do it all and keep those priorities really, really important. So maybe if we want to start focusing on like how you've been able to, because you've built, both of you have built multi-million dollar businesses, which is unbelievable 
in general to do, but most people think that you are just like blood, sweat, and tears with that stuff. Not that you're not with still 60 <laughs> hours and four hours. Tears. There's definitely tears <laughs> and other things. I, I 100% agree. But how have you done that very intentionally? What are those actual practical things that you and Graham have been doing? Just to clarify, I don't think it's about how many hours a week you work. How many hours you want to work and what works for your life has everything to do with you and your family and your kids and your marriage and your energy levels and that kind of thing. So it's really not about, you know, my message isn't everyone should work fewer hours. My message is your business should serve your life, not the other way around. You don't want your business ruling everything and then all of life is constructed to support and build up this business. The business is there to support your life so that you're doing something that's fun and life-giving and impactful. So I think the key there, in my opinion, the key there is being very clear on what you want outside of work. And that what you want outside of work and in life as a whole will then really impact what you decide about how you show up for work and how, you know, what work looks like. But I wouldn't start from, I wouldn't start by talking about work. I would start by talking about when you sit down and think about what you want uh, marriage to look like, what does that look like? What does time together look like? When you think about how much sleep you want to get. What does that look like? When you think towards what you want relationships and friendships to look like, what does that look like? What do you want your financial situation? What do you want your generosity story to look like? I think the more we focus on all of that, the more clarified we get about the role that work plays in that. So I think one thing that Graham and I maybe accidentally, somewhat accidentally did well was from very early on in our marriage, we would get away at the beginning of the year and really assess what worked and what didn't work and be thinking forward about the future. What do what are, what do we want when we're 80, you know? But then also like what do we want in the next 3 years? What are we hoping for in the next 10 years? And what I don't mean is is necessarily a 10-year plan. It's like what do we want life to look like and feel like? How often do we want to go on date nights? And what do we want church involvement to look like? And what do we want our time with our kids to look like? I think if you're really clarified on that and you're really intentional about having those conversations, if it's just you, then you're just you're taking the time to actually journal this stuff out yourself. But if you are married, then you're ha- having to take the time to think through this with your spouse. And if your kids are old enough to give you feedback, you want to get their feedback as well. And if you have friendships, you might want to get their feedback as well. Like, what does it look like for us to have a really beautiful, healthy friendship? So I think the constant self-assessment of those things has kind of helped work always fall into its place. Like, okay, here's the whole pie, and work is just a piece of this pie. It's interesting what people tend to ask me is like, what do you possibly do on your on your off days? Because I love work and I would want to work on my off days. And I think my answer to that is like, I've spent so much time cultivating other loves and other aspects of my life. Like my off days are full to the brim of other things that I want to be doing. I love work, but I've also taken a lot of intentional time to think through what I want the rest of my life to look like. I'd like to have a tidy house, so I want to have some time to clean up. I want to eat good food, so I want to have time to grocery shop and meal plan. I want to have friendships, so I need to have time to go meet for coffee. I want to be physically healthy and strong, so I've got to make time to go for a walk or go to the gym. I want my marriage to thrive, so I've got to make time to, like Graham and I take Fridays off to spend time together date day on Fridays because we both can. So 
I'd say we're at, we we spend so much time thinking about what we want the rest of life to look like. And then it's like, okay, what what if me is here also for work and what role does work play in that? So it's kind of a backwards way of thinking about it, but I think it starts there. And we can't skip over that to get to like the tactical how to manage your hours because if you haven't defined what you want life to look like, you'll just fill it with whatever you like, whether that's Netflix or working, you know, and then you're going to end up somewhere and you might not end up where you hoped you'd end up. Which I think is true for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And true even for myself, even though like life has changed so much in the past four or five years for me, the world still kind of gets a hold of me. And, you know, it just kind of puts you in this spiral and then you're like, okay, I have to claw myself out again and like figure out like, you know, what do I need to be intentional about? So I really love how you just assess it all, all of it. Because for me, I think I assess what do I want in work? What do I want for my marriage and my children? And I kind of just stop there. But, you know, your whole self, because for me, just honestly, this year when creating a vision board, I just realized that self-care was something that I completely have just put on the back burner. Yeah. Like the meal planning stuff, the working out, like I am to the core, someone who loves to be healthy. I love just everything about that and the way that I feel. I love working out. I love eating healthy, but I just haven't created my life since Delaney was born to be able to support that. So that like is something that I need to be intentional about and really assess. So I love how you put all of it in there and think about that. So I'm all about this, but also all about how do you actually get it done? So you have this list, you have this assessment, but then there's a reality of making sure that it can actually be done. And I know as like a business owner, I'm struggling with right now, the resources, you know, financially, people, all of that. How do you, even down to like babysitters, you know, you used to have babysitters for the kids. How do you actually make it work in a tangible way to be so intentional? Yeah. Well, two things. And one is just to kind of maybe provide a follow-up resource to what we were just talking about. I think I learned to do this well with uh, Cultivate's Power Sheets. Um, I don't know if you know Laura Casey. She originally created Power Sheets and Cultivate What Matters was her company. Um, And they created an amazing Power Sheets planner. And it really takes you through like 60 pages of assessment of life. And it makes work one of like eight or so areas that you're measuring. And then it sets up goal planning for the rest of the year to ensure that you're working on each of those areas individually. And they do it through tending lists and little checklists and progress charts and things like that. But that's just one like very helpful resource. You can still get that. They're called the Power Sheets Planner, I think from Cultivate What Matters. That's just a helpful tool. Now, when it comes down to, okay, solopreneur, trying to make money, trying to get people to my site, trying to deliver a product, that struggle is very real for all of us. So I think one of the most helpful things there for myself and for Graham over the years, it's just application of the 80-20 principle, which is not my idea. But if you're familiar with the 80-20 rule, it applies to business. It also applies to a lot of other areas of life. But basically it says that only 20% of what you're doing is creating 80% of the effect. And 80% of what you're doing is only creating 20% of the effect. So if we apply that in business, 20% of the average entrepreneur's use of their time, only 20% of what they're doing is generating 80% of the revenue. Likewise, 80% of what the average small business owner is spending their time doing is only generating 20% of their revenue. And so that's the goal, right? That's the punchline. If you take one thing away, it's that the 80-20 principle is true. 
And if you can have the discipline to identify what the 20% is for you and commit to doing only that, then at a minimum, you could work fewer hours and still make the same amount of money. But if you said, Shay, I love working and my kids are in school and I can work 40 hours a week, no problem, then great. Spend the whole 40 hours doing the 20% and you will have like 10 extra revenue. I mean, if you do the numbers, the math there, it's insane. If I have 16 hours and only 20% of my time is generating X number of dollars, well, what if I spend all 16 hours doing the 20%? You're five, six, seven Xing your revenue. So if that's just a math equation, the thing is we just don't take the time to really figure out what that is because we have so much going on, we can't even stop and breathe, let alone figure out whether or not I'm getting an ROI on email or getting an ROI on time spent on Instagram or getting an ROI on rebuilding my website. We just tend to keep going. So the most helpful thing that you could do is to do an 80-20 analysis of how you're spending your time. So you're going to identify every single thing that you are doing as a small business owner writing a blog post, talking on the phone to a client, actually out doing a photo shoot for a client, doing a podcast, all of that, every single thing down to the email, down to organizing your desk, goes on a piece of paper and you're going to, as best you can, identify which of those things are actually creating revenue. And one helpful way of assessing this comes from, I think it comes directly from the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, uh, from Tim Ferriss. He asked the question, if you were hospitalized and your doctor said, you are just way too stressed, you can only work four hours a week, what would you do? If you could only work four hours a week and you knew you still had to bring in money, what would you do? And the answer to that question is going to be very telling for what the items are that actually bring in money. And then I think he like ups the ante and says, if you could only work two hours a week, what would you do? Like if literally your doctor was like, Erica, you're going to have a heart attack. If you work any more than two hours a week, your life is literally on the line. What would you do? You'd have to be very selective. And so Graham and I just loved that concept early on. And we're like, all right, let's go. Like I only had 16 hours a week because by choice, I wanted to be spending more time in my mom role than I was at my desk. So that was how I wanted three of my work days, you know, weekdays to go to being mom and two of my and also, I could only afford two days of childcare. So all I had was 16 hours. When you have those kinds of boundaries, self-imposed even, uh, it really forces you to think creatively. So 80-20, and you can also 80-20 your services. So if you have a lot of services or a lot of products, like say you have a bunch of digital products, go look up your Stripe transactions. Most likely, 20% of your products are generating 80% of your revenue. And so what if you just cut the other 80% said no to those small amounts of revenue and went all in on the 20% that's actually generating revenue and you became known for just that one thing, you're really going to exponentially increase your revenue. And that is literally the punchline of how Graham and I have grown our businesses. A, a helpful thing, I have a guide that breaks down how to 80-20 your business. If they go to socialsquares.com slash CEO, socialsquares.com slash CEO. We created a guide that walks you through how to do an 80-20 analysis, but it's not hard. I mean, that's the basic principle. Um, and it, it's just whether or not you're brave enough to do it is really what it comes down to. 
And I think that's such a great tool for the business. But as you were talking about that one, as you were talking about the 80-20, I was like, yep, I already identified. Like, it's so easy. Like, as you said in my head, I was like, boop, you know, is that the Holy Spirit or is that just common sense right there? <laughs> you know, thinking about that. But to 80-20, I mean, it, there's a lot of individuals who listen to this podcast who aren't business owners, but this could apply to your life. Like, I was just thinking, like, what is that 80-20 rule of, you know, what is bringing you like the most joy, you know, what's bringing you the most joy, what is bringing you the most fulfilling parts of your life and focus on that. And sometimes individuals don't have as much of a choice in terms of like the work and the hours they yeah. can spend and all that. But you know, what you're spending your emotional energy on your physical energy yeah. on like all of that, like applying the 80, 20 rule would be huge. Oh, apply it to parenting. Like I guarantee you, like you're nagging about their wet clothes on the floor is really not accomplishing the main thing that you're there to accomplish. You know, the 20% that really matters about raising responsible humans. So it's very interesting to apply it across the board. And I think the, usually the logical question is, well, okay, but what do I do with that other stuff? And I think the answer is for the solopreneur is that you either eliminate it. There's going to be certain things that you just say, you know what, in this season, I'm not going to be able to be on social media or I'm not going to be able to X, Y, Z, travel to do this thing. So you can eliminate it. There are going to be things you'll have to eliminate. You can automate things. So you can automate sales. You can automate your sales funnel. You can automate a lot of things. I mean, even these days, you can, in some ways, automate social media. So you can automate things or you can delegate it. And that's where you get into like, okay, I know margins are slim, but if I hire someone to do this stuff and I can use my time to do my 20%, I know that I can increase my revenue by this much and therefore this person's role will be more than paid for. So eliminate, automate, delegate is what you do with the things that you didn't identify as that top 20%. I love that. I have a course called Stress to Joy. And in that, I have women go through and really create margin. And it's it's like that too. It's remove, delegate, or keep. So you go through and you really list everything out, like you had said, for the 80-20. And then you decide what you're going to remove, what you're going to keep, yeah. and what you're going to delegate. And then you create margin. And then that creates the life that you're really looking for. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You had mentioned a little earlier about that mindset piece, you know, where I guess for me, the question really is I work 40 hours a week because I have so much going on in my mind and I love, I love what I do. I love what I do, but I can get caught up in that performance mindset. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, do you struggle with the performance mindset or is that something that you don't even deal with? anymore. Because for me, when I look at a 16-hour work week, I think the question for me is not, oh, what do you do with all that time? Because I know I could fill it with things that I love. It's more, can I even allow myself to do that? Because that's an area that I'm struggling with right now that the Lord is working on in me is Mm -hmm. being able to quit that performance mindset and just know that you know, I am saved by my faith alone, not my works, and that he gives me grace and that I can enjoy things like coffee with friends and doing all of that. So have you ever struggled with that? Do you struggle with that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I'm a through and through. If you're into Enneagram stuff, I'm I'm a three, like I'm an achiever. So 100%, you're speaking my language. Like if it's not productive, I don't want to do it. You know, I think there's a lot of different answers to that question. I think Components of it are 
you have to really have identified what your goals are. Like, what are you after? For some people, they're making enough money, but they still don't know how to call it quits. And I think that's, you know, that at some point that becomes more normative if they're hitting their financial goals. Most people don't get to their financial goals and say, great, awesome. I can now only work six hour days. No, they don't. They're just like, okay, let's make more money. And that can be a tricky mindset. That's not often the the new business owner mindset because you're still trying to hit those goals. But I think the same thing applies. I do think we need to have clearly identified what our enough is financially as a family. Like it is a win if mom brings in $2,000 a month or $5,000 a month or whatever, or $500 a month, whatever it needs, whatever it is in your family. I do think you need to have very clearly identified that based on your budget so that you have targets and you know when you've hit your targets and you know when you need to course correct versus just filling 40 hours a week. Because we both know there are endless things to do. I mean, I don't leave my 16 hours being like, good job, Shay. You checked everything off your list. Well done. Never have I ever felt like I left a work day having done everything that that I needed to do. But I think knowing, so knowing you're enough financially, and that just has to do with budgeting, that has to do with conversations, um, and making sure that you have that clearly identified, you're working towards that. And then when you hit that, that you use that as a filter, like, oh, okay, everything else now is in addition, all I really needed to do with was that. Otherwise, it's an endless moving target. I think, again, it comes back down to I'm a performance-driven person in all areas of life, not just work. So for me, being able to identify what I want, what my marriage goals are, and identify what my health goals are, and identify what my family connectedness goals are, then it means that I'm not shutting off the performance faucet when I leave work. I'm just redirecting it into other things that I care about. So, you know, I carry that with me outside of work and I'm not really trying to tamper it. I'm just redirecting it. So I love achieving and goals, but like, I know that there's other things that are important to you more than work. So do we have solid goals about that? And are we committed to seeing those areas of our life thrive? I think that helps. Yeah, it's really tricky because everybody's performing for different reasons, right? I mean, we can get caught up in performance because our identity is in it, you know, and maybe we don't, it's not as fun who nursing a baby for 10 hours a day, but being a boss feels very satisfying. And so I'm much more comfortable finding my identity there. Um, sometimes we're trying to outrun our past. Like if you didn't grow up with any money or if you've seen seasons, like we've seen seasons where we've been on food stamps, then you can be trying to outrun your past. And so you're just endlessly performing to avoid that. I think that's a heart thing that you have to identify. I think some of us choose to overwork because we're avoiding other situations, home life, a hard marriage, difficult parenting, difficult relationships, our own health failings. I think we can run to work performance and get caught up in that to avoid dealing with those other things. So I think part of not getting stuck in that overwork hamster wheel is getting honest about why we're being driven to overwork. Not that performance equals overwork, but if we're talking about like, man, when do I cut it off? And I find myself just constantly drifting back in. And I think, you know, part of why I work 16 hours is self-imposed because I want to be able to be present with my family and not be thinking about work. And if I touched work every day, that would be really hard for me. I really have to compartmentalize. I can't do both of them at the same time. So 
it also comes down to what works for you to be able to show up in the rest of life the way that you really want to show up. For me, if I work more than the time that I've allotted, the two days a week or so, or 16 hours or so, it's hard for me to to separate my brain from work to then even be a present wife or mom. And that's just my boundary line. Like that's what I've learned about myself. Because otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm not the fastest business owner. I'm not the most successful business owner. I mean, there's people running circles around me doing the same thing that I'm doing because they'll just give it more time than I will. So I have to have blinders up and be like, why am I here? What are my goals? What do I really care about in life? What am I after? And stay focused on that. Otherwise, yeah, I'd be endless. There's always more work to do endlessly, and I would never leave my office. (laughs) Well, in today's world, it's so easy to go on social media and see what everybody else is doing or turn on the news and see how successful individuals Mm -hmm. are. And I just... I fall into that a lot now. And so I don't actually go on social media as much. And I know as a business owner, you're supposed to be posting a ton personally. And I would love to do that because, oh my gosh, everyone who listens to this and who's just connected with me and Faith and Gather, like you're my family. Like I I care about you so much, even if we've never met, like my heart is so for you. And I would love to just welcome you into my home, but like I have to protect myself too from being on there. So I appreciate you sharing your story and what you've struggled with. Yeah, Enya and Graham, three over here, girl. Yeah. Seriously, it is it is a struggle. I mean, I don't know if that's – I just – I want to win. And I'm not going to win working 16 hours a week. But the thing is, is I will win in life. Like, I have a great marriage that I love. I'm, I feel like I'm winning in parenting. I'm winning in mm-hmm. family. I feel like I'm healthy. So it's not that we turn off the performance faucet. We just have to have taken into consideration the other things that we really care about and go after those things just as hard as we're going after how good it feels to accomplish something within business. Yeah, yeah. And that's where God's heart is too. You know, it's in that whole self, not just your performance and work. And, you know, yeah, he just wants that whole self for sure. I'm really interested in, I've seen what I believe on the outside through social media, all I can see through you and Graham, just like a shift. And to me, it feels like a shift of being very bold and open about your faith now. And not that you weren't before you would, you would share it like little trickles of kind of, you know, if somebody asked you, you'd be forefront. But I feel like now on both of your platforms, even on like Graham's podcast and social media, like you're very, very, forthright of like, this is what we believe. Like, you know, Jesus is the ultimate, like this, he is our guide and really sharing your heart in that. Has there been a shift? Um, Has there been a certain like catalyst moment or is it just a decision that you just feel on your heart? Like, Hey, now's the time to really share boldly. Just really interested. It's been really cool as a Christian business owner to see you being so bold because you both serve what we call in the Christian world, like secular, you have secular businesses, but you've been so bold with your faith. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting and encouraging to hear an outside perspective on that. I'm so glad that it's apparent that I'm a believer. And I think, and I don't actually think I'm very intentional about that. So there was not one shift or a moment um, or a decision. I think it's always been a heavy burden of like, man, we're given these platforms. I don't want to be the type of person that only Christians want to follow. I don't, I I don't feel like that really, there's certainly need for that, right? Like some of us need to encourage the believers. And so we might be putting out content that only speaks to believers. I think I kind of am called to straddle a middle ground where 
we're revealing the kingdom. And I think Graham would say the same thing. We're revealing the kingdom and being the aroma of Christ in a way that actually makes non-believers say, what is going on there? Like, why do they have so much joy? How is it that they've been able to be married for this long and be so happy? Why are their kids seem so sweet and their teenage years have been great for them? Like, why? So I really want to walk that line where it is attractive also to non-believers and not in a way that's dishonoring to life as a believer, but in a way that is just the aroma of Christ and is for is attractive for both the believer and the non-believer. So that's just kind of like where I fall on that. I mean, I think personally what you're seeing with me is that there was a long time when my kids were young that I think some of my gifts were dormant, specifically with like teaching and encouraging women in the word. I used to do a lot of that before I had kids and when they were really little. And then I just was neck deep in parenting. And so I really kind of pulled back on social media in general and kind of felt like I lost my voice a little bit, um, lost my words. It's probably just mom brain, like brain fog, literally. (laughs) And I think I'm just starting to resurface from that, honestly, 13 years in where like, I feel like God's giving me a little more to say. And I really only say things online when I feel like, God has given me something to say. So I will share something very specific that I feel like, man, God really put this on my heart to talk about this specific thing. Otherwise, I don't. So I don't show up every day or every week and say like, what am I going to do to reveal the kingdom through you know, what I'm going to share on social? It really is more organic than that. And I think I'm just kind of getting back into operating in that gifting and having more clarity from God about like, I want you to share this. I want you to show this. I want you to just let people in in on this. So yeah, it's such an interesting question. And it really speaks to something that I think about a lot that I don't have answers for, other than knowing that I want my platform to be kind of evangelistic in nature, more so than just being to encourage believers. I want it to encourage believers, but I also want non-believers to not be so repulsed that every post is a verse that they're like, huh, I like this girl. Oh, wait, she's a Christian? I don't know if I like Christians, but I like her. You know, like, so that's intentional also. <laughs> well, you do a wonderful, wonderful job at that. You really do. And I would say from this end, I think as you're talking, it's just I see the favor of God on you and Graham because if it wasn't an intentional catalyst, like I've even heard it on Graham's podcast. He's and maybe I just hadn't heard it in other episodes, but you know, he's bringing like scripture into yeah. it, but teaching business based on that. He's so sneaky about it. Yeah, too, so right? sneaky because I he's was like, like yeah. non-believers. And then he's like, yeah, and it says this in the Bible. Like, no big deal, guys. This yeah. has been around for thousands of yeah, years. Yeah, because it's great advice. It's great right. like life advice, business advice. You know, that's why we follow it. That's why we follow Jesus. But he does it in such a beautiful way. And I've I've heard that more from him too. So it may not be an intentional thing that you guys are doing, but I do see how God has been moving both of your hearts from the outside to be more more bold in that. So if that's an encouragement to you, because I think that's just, it's amazing. It's really cool to witness on this side. We both feel a very specific call to reveal the kingdom. Like that's a specific thing that God has said. It's like reveal kingdom principles in a secular marketplace. Like just reveal kingdom principles. You don't have to make it weird. Just show them that like the smart way of doing it has been around since the beginning. And the stuff that you're calling manifestation and woo-woo, you know, like it has a source here. Look, it's been around forever. (laughs) 
I know. Isn't that so funny? Every time I read something that, you know, is said that it's not from the Bible, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a, it's a piece of literature for leadership or business or yeah. whatever it may be, lifestyle. And I'm like, well, that that originally came from the Bible, yeah, you know, like been around for, oh, I know. Don't even get me started. I saw something recently that I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And y'all are going to claim this as your new idea. And this has been a biblical principle since the dawn of time. But okay, that's yes. <laughs> But I think that's so good because that is, like you said, our in to reach the unbelievers and be like, hey, actually, you know what? I I 100% agree with you on that. And here's why. Here's why. Because Jesus is behind it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And it's it's great being a creative too because I can be in a creative industry that's very aesthetics driven, right? Like I have a beautiful home and I take beautiful photos and, and you could war with that. Or I can say like, I get to be creative because I'm co-creating with God, and I'm an image bearer of God who is an ultimate creative, who brings order from chaos. I get to bring order from chaos by creating a beautiful little stock image. Like, God celebrates beauty. He's endlessly creative when it comes to beauty. Just look around you. Look at the flowers. Look at the mountains. I mean, look at cloud formations. Like, he's a genius. Look at all the different types of birds. Like, he cares about beauty, too. So I can just participate in that in a way that, at face value, might look very secular. Like, why do beautiful aesthetics matter. But I know that like underneath that, beautiful aesthetics also matter to God. Like he's endlessly mm-hmm. creative and created beauty and order. And so I'm all I'm doing is just imaging God in kind of participating in the restoration of all things and the bringing of the kingdom by, you know, st- I'm like looking at my photos behind me by like styling a cup of coffee in a beautiful lit space. Like I'm also co-creating with God and participating in image bearing. So there's so much significance to it. And I think that it's okay that that can appear maybe at surface value that might appear secular, but it's actually very spiritual. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. God is in all those details and yeah, he's the creator of beauty. How wonderful. Shay, I just really appreciate you being on today and sharing your story and in your heart for what you do. I would love if you could share where the listeners could connect with you personally and then social squares and any other offerings you have. Like I had mentioned, I love social squares. I am a huge fan. So if that's enough for the listeners to understand, but why don't you tell them a little bit more? Oh, yeah. I want every single small business owner to use social squares because it really does help you gain traction in your business and focus in on your 20%. So yes, if you are creating regular content, I would say, and showing up on multiple platforms, website, Instagram, Pinterest, blog, then check out social squares because it'll free up your time to do the things that you're meant to do. So you can find out more about that at socialsquares.com or on Instagram at socialsquares. And then you can follow me personally. I'm on Instagram here and there. Um, I'm on Instagram as at Shay Cochran. You can find me there. And that's really it. That's my 20%. <laughs> that's where I can where I have time to show up. I love it. I love it. And then where you have had help in those other areas so you can focus on your 16 hours on the 20%, your wonderful assistant. I'm going to say her name right. You, you pronounce yeah. it. Shell, yeah. Okay. I yeah. got it right in my head. She sent over to me the How to Double Your Income by Working Less guide. So I'll put yes. that in the show notes. And then with that, you can get 10% off a quarterly or annual Social Squares membership. So I'll make sure to put that in the notes. So that goes along with your 80-20, Shay. You have yeah. people to help you to keep things moving so you can focus on what is important to you. So I love that. 
One more question before we go mm-hmm. that is important to me is joy, finding joy in life because we're in just craziness. Yes. And it seems that you have found lots of joy, but I specifically want to know what brought you joy today. Oh, I mean, the easy answer is getting to have this conversation because I don't get a lot of opportunities to have this conversation within what I do, right? I'm behind the scenes creating images and being a boss. So like being a a leader, a team leader. So this brought me a lot of joy. And also just being outside brings me so much joy. So I was outside a little bit this morning on my swing. And I think anytime I get to be outside taking a walk or you know, just enjoying fresh air in the garden, anything like that brings me an immense amount of joy. Yes. God's nature is just it's a miracle worker for sure. Yeah. And you live in Florida, so you get to do that all year round. Right. So it's God like our yeah. season. It's 70 <laughs> degrees out in February. Yeah, for sure. Don't ask. I won't answer the same thing in August. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Shay. I really appreciate you being on. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. What an inspirational life and conversation. While a 16-hour work week may not be achievable for most, an intentional one is. So use the 80-20 rule and eliminate, delegate, and automate to live a purposeful life. And remember, as Shay said, she's just trying to figure out life like you and me. So do what works for you, but be intentional. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other ladies you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.